welcome to the Access Church Podcast. A, a, a new sermon series today kind of piggybacking off of our last series last series was called take it by force and and we were we were uh, essentially talking about how we need to lay hold of the promises of God how we need to grab hold of what God has for you and I feel like sometimes as believers as Christians we often can become a little bit lackadaisical a little bit passive just believing that God's going to do it all let me tell you God will do what he can do but he will leave it up to you to do what is in your hand and your power to do that's why James says it this way that faith without works is dead and so we have to take hold of the promises of God and as we uh, step into this new series it's called let it go tell your neighbor let it go now, those of you who uh, made the really long trip to Del Rio Thursday night for the conference, I know it's super far for some of you guys. I, I laugh because we're from the Dallas area and we travel 45 minutes to get anywhere. And here you go, Pastor, I live really far. Where do you live? Oh, I live by the casino. I'm like, that's 10 minutes away. Okay, that's far. I know it's all perspective. But those of you that traveled all the way to Del Rio on that Thursday night, you kind of got a prequel of the message but, um, of, of, of this series. But I, I want to kind of share this movie clip that kind of personifies the essence and the spirit of what God wants to express over the next few weeks. So can we roll that clip? This is history spilling into the ring. What an emotionally draining war here in Los Angeles. <laughs> Listen, you're a big boxer. I need you to start fighting. Go out there and do what we came to do. It's your time, champ. It's your time to shine. Let go of the fear. You hear me? Let go of the guilt. Let go of it, dog. Let go of whatever was and walk into what is. Go out there and be ferocious. You hear me? Be ferocious. All right, let me just, that wasn't me. I know you're probably looking at the body like, man, I didn't know Pastor Brian was an actor. That's uh, Michael B. Jordan. That's not me. Really? Um, but as I, God had already put this sermon series in, in, in my heart, and, and I was actually watching this, this movie as I was flying to a leadership conference, and it just really stuck out how even the secular world knows that in order to embrace something new, you have to let go of the old. By holding on to old things, by holding on to old patterns, to old paradigms. And, and, and I love what the trainer said. He said, you have to let go of what was so that you can walk into what is. And I think, man, that's exactly what the Spirit of God is. How many times uh, do, do we get stuck in, in, into old relationships? We get stuck into old patterns and into old cycles. And oftentimes we want to blame the devil. And the devil's like, dude, that's all you, boo. That, that's, that has nothing to do with me. You're still in the same place because you're not willing to let go of what was so that you can walk into what is. And, and, and this pattern and this principle is woven throughout all of the scriptures from Genesis all the way to Revelation. In fact, Jesus was teaching on this principle in Luke chapter 5 when he, he was talking about not putting 
new wine into old wineskins. Look what it says. Luke chapter 5, 37 through 39, it says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. And, and I love the, the, the tone of, of, of Jesus's conversation here. I love what it says. And oftentimes when we read it in, in our language, we, we can't really see it. But when you get into the original language, this is like Jesus having a no dumb moment with the people. He's talking to people that were very familiar within their culture about the process of fermentation. And, and I love what he says. He says, like, no one would ever do this. Like, if you would even think, like, everybody would laugh at you, everyone would mock you, because everybody knows it's common knowledge that you can't take new wine and put it into old wineskin. And no one would ever do that. Then he goes on to say, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. So he's having this moment and he's talking about this principle about letting go of old constructs and old paradigms. And he says, no one would ever think, no one would ever, ever dare to take new wine and put it into old wineskins. Why? Because during the fermentation process of wine, the, as the wine begins to ferment, it begins to build up gases and it begins to expand its place. And, and so what the, the the context of what Jesus is saying is that every time God wants to do something new in your life, it's going to cause an expansion in your life. He's going to expand your revelation. He's going to expand your knowledge. He's going to expand your, your paradigms. He's going to expand your influence. He's going to expand your, your finances. And, and so what God is saying, in order for me to take you to new levels, right, we all get excited when the preacher says God wants to take you from glory to glory, not realizing that you can't go from one level of glory to the next unless you're willing to let go of the old glory, unless you're willing to let go of the old things. He says you can't get into the new thing until you're ready to go to, uh, until you let go of the old thing. And so when God wants to do something in your life, that's the kingdom of God that's going to expand. And if you're not willing to move and let go, it's going to break wherever you're at. So what would happen when you would take new wine, you would put it into to old wineskins, old wineskins are no longer malleable. They're no longer stretchable. They, they, they're, they're so rigid and dry and cracked that the moment expansion begins to happen, the wineskins would begin to break and you lose the wine. And see, some of you have experienced that in your life. Some of you stayed in relationships too long because you didn't realize that God was trying to expand you and that expansion broke whatever you were in. Some of you stayed in old jobs and what should have been a good transition now becomes a toxic transition because you weren't discerning that God was trying to expand to you. Some of you come from church hurt. Why? Because you didn't realize that God was trying to expand you. God wanted to do something but because you stayed in the old place too long, too, too long that God was trying to put new wine and it broke that relationship. And it's really quiet in this church. And that's what Jesus is saying, that he wants to do. It, it comes at, at the price of expansion. We can't get stuck in, in old patterns and in old things. And, and, and a lot of this was what was brought to me from the, the, the story where Jesus shows up at the pool of Bethesda. 
where he finds this paralytic that was there for 38 years waiting for a move of God. So if you didn't know what would happen once a year, the angel of the Lord would descend from heaven during the right before Passover, he would come down and he would stir the waters and the first person that would skinny dip, well, hopefully they were clothed, well, the first person that would make it in the water, they would get their, their healing. So who is the angel of the Lord? That is Jesus. But no, Jesus is no longer in heaven. Where is he? He's now on the earth. So what does he do? He shows up the same way that he always did, but this time he showed up in a different way. He showed up in a different manifestation. Why? Because he's now on the earth. But what happened? They missed out on the move of God because they were looking for the old move and not the new move. And the very person that they were supposedly waiting for shows up, but because they were looking for an old picture and an old pattern, they missed out on what he wanted to do. And I think that happens to us sometimes in our lives. We, we get stuck on what God said. We get stuck on what God used to do. We get stuck. And there's a bunch of churches that no longer seem like churches. They seem more like museums that have raised monuments to old moves of what God used to do. And God is like, I'm not there anymore. I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm doing a new thing. And that's what God wants to do in, in your life. And, and this biblical pattern is woven all throughout the scriptures. Every time God was calling someone new into something new, whether it would be a new purpose or a new season, there are always some things that need to be let go of. And we see it. Abraham had to let go of his mistake called Ishmael to walk into his miracle called Isaac. And then even at some point, God told him, you have to let go of Isaac. Abraham had to let go of Isaac. Joseph had to let go of the rejection of, of his brothers and the false accusations of Potiphar's wife. Moses had to let go of his failure as a fugitive. David had to let go of his failure and mistake with Bathsheba in order to give birth to his heir called Solomon. Peter, James, and John had to let go of their nets. The parallel at the pool of Bethesda he had to let go of the old move but once he got his miracle he got it he had to let go of his mat and then even the great apostle Paul he had to let go of his influence and affluence in order to step in to his new purpose and his new calling tell your neighbor let it go whatever it is you've got to let it Go. See, God is a God, Isaiah, he puts it this way. In Isaiah 43, 18, he says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Verse 19, see, I am doing a new thing, now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Let me tell you this. God loves to do new things in your life. God is a God of new. God wants to take you from one level of glory to another level of glory. In fact, Lamentations chapter 3, 22 and 23 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness and his mercies begin afresh each morning. You know that every day that you wake up, God has new mercies for you. Now imagine if God fills every morning with new mercies, can you imagine what he has planned and prepared and in store for you in 2023? But unless you're willing to let go of old things, you'll never be able to accept the new things of God. 
And, and I imagine that that's what the prophet is saying. How can you not see it? God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. See why? Your blessing or your breakthrough is not just in what you lay hold of, but what you're willing to let go of. Let me say that again. Your blessing or your breakthrough is not just in what you lay hold of, but it's also in what you're willing to let go of. You've got to let go of old things. See, you can't embrace the new until you're willing to let go of the old. See, when we're always looking back and we're always stuck on, on what happened, on, on what they did and how they treated me and, 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 and how they, they did me, when, when you're always stuck. And, and let me tell you this, it's not just we can get stuck in the bad things, we can also get stuck in the good things. We can get stuck in old moves of God. I remember growing up in, 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 in old school church we, where we would have Sunday night services that seemed to last forever. How many y'all feel me on that? Like two hours of singing and two hours of preaching. But we would have this, these nights that we would call testimony nights. In Spanish, noche de testimonios. I call them noche de tristemonios. Because you would have people that would get up every Sunday night and waste 20 of my precious minutes saying the same thing that God did 30 years ago. Like I knew everybody's tristemonio by heart. And I, even as, as, a, as a young kid, I remember thinking like, God's not doing anything new. God's not doing, I mean, the, the Bible says that he's a God of new things, that he wants to do a new thing in your life, that he wants to take you from glory to glory, but you're still stuck on what he used to do, that you're missing out on what he wants to do right now. God wants to do a new move. God wants to show you new things, but unless you're willing to let go of the old, you'll never be able to embrace the new. We get stuck with old songs and old sermons. Like the Holy Spirit stopped inspiring people to write. Oh no, we can't sing that song anymore. That's too modern. The devil's in the electric guitar. No. <laughs> you laugh, but I've heard it. And look at the electric guitar. I guess the devil's name is Gibson. I don't know. When you're looking back, you're allowing your history to determine your destiny. And God is saying, I want to do something new in your life, but you're still stuck. You're holding on to old things, old patterns, old relationships, old people. And God is over here like, just let it go. If you only knew what's on this side. If you only knew what I have for you, if you had only knew, you would let go. And, 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 and don't get me wrong, I, I think it's healthy to reflect on the past. It is good to, to look back and recognize where God brought us from. It is good to recognize what God did, but we can't get stuck there. Can you imagine someone driving only looking at the rearview mirror? I don't want to be on the road with that. I think there's some Eagle Pass people that do that, but just saying... 
But imagine, get, get that mental picture. You're driving in your car and you're just looking at the rear view mirror. You're still stuck on what you passed. You're still stuck on where you came from instead of looking forward. And that's how it is in our lives. We can get so stuck. And, and that's why the prophet Isaiah says, man, you've got to forget the former things. Not just the bad things, but also the good things. We get stuck in the things that God did. We get stuck in the way that God blessed. But if God blessed you in 1978, God can bless you today in 2023. If God saved you in 1988, God can save you today. God can transform. I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrased this in the Message Bible in verse 18 and 19. He said, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Have you ever met somebody who's stuck? Have you ever met somebody that you went to high school with and they still dress like they did in high school because they still think it's cool? I was going to make fun of mullets because that's what's cool when I was in high school, but now they're cool again, so that didn't work. And you see them, and they're still dressed like they did on graduation day in 1990, not knowing that that styles have changed. But because it was cool in 1990, they think they're still cool. Same haircut, same style, same jeans, everything's the same. And they don't realize that things have changed. They're, they're stuck. Have you ever met somebody that's stuck in old relationships? They've already been divorced 10 years and they're still talking about their ex. I know that doesn't happen here, but in Del Rio. Ah, that would never happen here. Still stuck in what they did and how they did. And, and he says, don't keep going over old history. Then he says, be alert and be present. See, if you're stuck in the past, you cannot be alert and present to what God is doing right now in your life. You're still looking back. You're still stuck. And in verse 19, he says, I'm about to do something brand new. You can't move forward as long as you're still looking backwards. Even the Apostle Paul shows us in his life what we need to do about our past. In, in um, where am I? Philippians 3.13, he says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. It's going to take focus. He says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Now, if, if anybody had, a, had an opportunity to get stuck, it was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was wealthy. He was affluent. He was influential. And because he chose to let go of all of that and to serve Jesus Christ, he lost everything. Some theologians say he even lost his wife because he lost it all. Because of he chose. There was times where he was beaten and left to for dead. He was shackled up in prison. He was beaten. Now, if anybody had an opportunity to get stuck in the old ways, in the old things, to question and wonder, it was him. But here he is. He's encouraging us. And, and you know what's amazing? He's writing this letter while he's in prison. Like, if that was you and me, in let, let me just, I won't even put you in this. I won't implicate you. If that was me in prison for preaching, I wouldn't be encouraging you. I'd be like, run. It didn't work out for me. I'm in prison. This is what I get for serving Jesus. 
No, he's telling you, forget the past. I know where I'm at right now, but I know that I'm not going to be here forever. I look forward to what lies ahead. But we get so stuck in the past. See, if you're always looking back, you're going to miss out on the new. Remember when God told Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's like, but my, my nephew's there and his family. God, just give me a chance to go back. He says, okay, you can go and tell them, but I want them to leave, but they better not look back. So Abraham goes and he tells Lot, he's like, look, I know we had our differences. And even in that, they had their differences. It could have been so easily for Abraham to stay offended. You abandoned me. You left me. Your servants were fighting with my servants. I did all these things to get you out, and now you leave me. But no, he went back for Lot and his wife and his family and his kids. He said, you've got to get out of here. You've got to leave because God said that he's going to destroy this place, but don't look back. And what happens? They all leave, pero la comadrita, the Greek word for la chismosita, missing all her amigis, from the country club, they're leaving, and what does she do? She looks back. And the Bible says that she turned into a pillar of salt. If you don't believe me, look at Genesis 19.26, it's there. Essentially, she turned into a statue of salt. And you know what the Holy Spirit told me? Is that when we look back, we take things that were only meant to be a moment and we turn them into a monument. We make them a landmark in our lives. And we point everybody back to our pain. We point everybody back to our past. We can never get past that moment. And God is saying, don't look back. It was only meant to be a moment. But you made it a monument. You made it something that you render service and call to. Something that you praise. You're like, how are you doing it? You praise your problem. Let me tell you this principle. Whatever you praise will be magnified in your life. So if you continue to praise your problem, it's just going to expand. It's just going to grow. It's going to become bigger in your life. And God was telling me, when you look back at the past, when you get stuck in old things, that think that was only meant to be a moment now has become a monument. It becomes part of your identity. Your pain becomes part of your identity. Your infirmity, your vulnerability, your deception, your abuse, the toxicity, all of that becomes, and God says, I don't want it to be a monument. I just want it to be a moment. So I need you not to look back. And so I'm here to tell you that in order for you to embrace the new you have to let go of the old. But why is it so hard for us to let go of the old? You know what? As much as we say we like different and change, the reality is that we're all creatures of habit. You're probably sitting in the same chair you sat last Sunday, unless you got here late. And then you're all booty hurt because somebody beat you to your chair. I used to make fun of people that did that, but now I go to Starbucks every morning, and when somebody's sitting in my chair, I get booty hurt. I even told the manager, um, can you make sure that when I come, nobody sits in my chair? You're laughing, but I did tell her. 
I want to take my little own reserve sign and put it there because that's my corner. But every, every day, I order the same thing. I don't even have to order anymore. I just stand there and smile. They start hitting the buttons. They know my name. Why? Because we're creatures of habit. We do the same thing. Raise your hand if you're sitting in the same seat as... No, just kidding. <laughs> you get hurt if you show up like... Or they park in your space. We don't... And I was thinking like, why is it so hard for us to let go? And, and there are two culprits. There are two reasons, two enemies of the new. One is fear and the other is familiarity. Fear and familiarity will keep us from letting go of old things. You've got to let go of the fear and you have to be willing to let go of the familiar. And, and I believe that this is perfectly pictured and patterned and modeled in the life of Abram. Genesis chapter 12, 1 and 2, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Imagine this moment. This is the moment that God is interrupting Abram's life with his destiny. He's interrupting his life with his purpose and this is the moment that God was waiting for to implement his plan for redemption and salvation of all mankind. So he finds Abram. Abram is this man that is in search of God. We understand that he was a man that would worship the stars but when he started observing the stars he realized well those stars didn't get there by themselves. Those stars had to be put there by something or someone and he started serving the God that created the stars and God says that's a man that I can use. That's a man that I want to use, but I can't use him where he's at. I need to go and talk to him. So here Abram is having this powerfully prophetic moment with God, this intimate conversation, and he says, I need you to leave your family. I need you to leave your friends. I need to leave your country and go to the land where I will show you because I want to bless you. I want to make you a great nation. I want to make you famous so that you can be a blessing to others. Now, if this this was you and I, we would get stuck on the second part. We'd be like, man, God wants to bless me. God wants to make me famous. God wants me to be a blessing. But we forget the part that he told Abraham, in order for me to do something new in your life, you have to be willing to walk away from the old. I can't expand you here. I, I can't do here. And oftentimes we read these stories in, in Bibles and, and we make it like it's Snow White in the seven drawers. That, drawers, drawers or dwarfs? Taiwan. It's in the Greek. And we think that they're not real people, but imagine, imagine Abram who's married having that conversation with his wife. Well, you know, Sarai, I was out walking, looking at the stars, and I heard this voice, and he said, we got to leave everything, and we have to go. Where are we going? I don't know. We just got to go. I know some of you feel like that when you take a trip with your husband already. I don't know. We're just going to go. Imagine, we forget that these were real people with real relationships, real responsibilities. You have to understand, when you look at the, this in the context of the parable of the prodigal son, when the prodigal son left his home, he lost his inheritance. 
He lost his financial security. So when God tells Abraham or Abram at that point, I want to do something new in your life, but I can't do it here. I need you to leave the, the land of Ur and I need to take you to Canaan. I've got to take you to a new place. You, you don't know. You haven't seen the postcard. You haven't seen it on Facebook. You don't know where you're going. When you get there, I'll tell you that you're there, but you have to let go of everything so that I can do this new thing. And sometimes we read this like, oh, psh, that's easy. Let's just go. Imagine your husband comes home and says, oh, I quit my job today. God's going to provide. The wife's thinking, how oh, are we going to pay the rent, the car, the insurance, clothes, shoes, food, the Louis, like, think about that. We lose sight that these were real people but God was saying, in order for me to do a new thing in your life, that's going to bless not only you, but it's going to bless all of the nations and the families of the earth through you. This was God doing his covenant, implementing his plan of restoration and salvation through Abraham. He said, but I need you to leave. You've got to go. You can't stay here. And he had to walk away. This was the time of the patriarch. He had to walk away from his inheritance, his financial security, and he had to leave. See, oftentimes, in order for God to take you to new levels and to new places, you're going to have to let go of people, places, possessions, positions, and sometimes even your past. And I'm reminded of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, who were fishing. And all of a sudden, they're having a, a bad day at work. They fished all night. They didn't catch anything. They thought it was over. Jesus shows up, says, let me borrow your boat and all of this. And at the end of that whole story in Luke chapter five, Jesus turns to Peter, James, and John says, hey, I want you to be my disciples. Let's go. And the Bible says that immediately they dropped their nets. I, I mean, think about that. Once again, these are real people. In fact, Peter was married. Can you imagine him going, hey, uh, Micha, I'm home. Uh, I'm going to go be a preacher now. Well, what about the fish and the finances and the money? And I can imagine Peter had a mother-in-law. How do we know? Because Jesus healed her. And I can imagine the suegra. The suegra is the Greek word for a precious gift from God. <laughs> Micha, I told you not to marry that dude. But no. <laughs> You should have married a rabbi, a nice, good little rabbi in, in rabbi school. But no, you wanted the bad boy, the fisherman. And now he thinks he's going to go be a preacher and a disciple. And then you had James and John who were working for their father. Can you imagine all the comadritas talking about, oh, I can't believe they just abandoned their dad like that. Just to go out and do their preacher thing with some crazy guy that calls himself the Messiah. But if they would have stayed holding on to their... Can you imagine the picture of Peter, James, and John following Jesus around for three and a half years dragging their nets just in case they need a fallback plan? Just in case with, with, with that, that things don't, don't pan out with God. Let me tell you, if God calls you to something, it's going to pan out. You don't need a backup plan with God. You got to let it go. I remember... 
when, and, and I've shared this testimony before, when, when God called us in, into Mexico, we had to leave everything. We, we, we literally, uh, the way I, I say it is that God pulled the emergency brake in our lives and you've got to go, you've got to leave and everything. And, and I remember that the, the struggle of, of what it was like to leave uh, my, my native land, my native country. Let me tell you that before I went to Mexico, I didn't even really speak Spanish. I mean, I knew taco, burrito, enchilada. I wouldn't starve, but I couldn't really hold a conversation. And I pastor, you speak Spanish so well? Yeah. But I did it before. And God called us over there. And, and I remember in, in, in that time, I struggled with God. I was wrestling with God for like eight or nine months. And he literally called us to leave and to leave everything and to go be missionary evangelists to Mexico with no support from a church or a ministry. And I remember when God calls you, it feels really good. But I remember I was working. I had a really good job making really good money. And I knew myself that I couldn't give them two weeks notice because God was calling me and I had to leave now. Sandra was already in Mexico. We already had an apartment. We had already sent all the stuff and I was still struggling. Let me tell you, in this time, that job and that company that I was working for, I got like three or four raises and promotions from a company that would barely give you a raise one time a year. The devil didn't want me to go. And he knew how to keep me, raises and promotion. And finally, I got to the point where I couldn't struggle with God anymore. I remember it was a Friday morning. I walk into my boss's office, and I said, I've got good news and bad news. And my boss says, okay, what's the good news? I said, well, I'm going to go do the will of God. He said, well, what's the bad news? The bad news is that today's my last day. I'm quitting. He's like, well, what, what? you can't quit. You can't quit. And, you know, and, and I began to share that God was calling us to leave everything, to go to Mexico, to serve him. And he says, I don't want to offend you or your religion, but tell me how much money you want to make. How much money you want? Because we can't let you go. We have plans for you. Now, let me tell you, I knew that his plans weren't about me. It was about him because he knew if I left, he wouldn't get promoted to the next place he wanted to go. He had me pegged in line for his promotion. And he tells me, how much money do you want to make? And I look at him in the eye, very bold, full of faith. I said, it's not about money. It's about doing the will of God. You know what he said? What if we double your salary? I said, it's not about money. It's about doing the will of God. <laughs> you know what he said after that? He said, what if we triple your salary? I said, okay, I'll stay. No. <laughs> I said, it's not about money. It's about doing the will of God. He said, okay, okay, let's do this. Why don't you go three weeks, go do your missionary thing. We'll still pay you. It won't be against your vacation. And you'll come back. It'll be like a paid leave of absence. I said, I'm going and I'm not coming back. He said, okay, let's do three months. We'll still pay you. It'll be like a pay leave of absence. It won't go against your vacation time. Can you imagine how you would live in Mexico with the amount of money you're making right now? And I said, yes, I can. But it's not about money. And you know what he said? He said, let's do this. Go six months. Go do your mission thing, whatever you need to do. We can't pay you. But after six months, you come back 
and we'll put you right back where you were like you never left with all of the raises that I just said that you could have. And I said, it's not about money. It's about doing the will of God. Then he offered me another promotion that would have put me in a whole different thing. And at that moment, I took my Blackberry, which was cool at the time. I know the girl's like, what is that? I'm like, oh, I put it on his desk, my key card. And he said, whenever you need to come back, you have a job here. I said, I'm going and I'm never coming back. Because I knew that when Elijah left, he had to burn the plow so he had nothing to go back to. I walked out of there very bold, packed my luggage. I was on a plane. It was 8 o'clock from Dallas, Fort Worth, all the way to Guadalajara. And Dallas, and I was like, OMG. I had given up a high-rise apartment in downtown Dallas, my Mercedes, which was my dream car, a house, left it all, just walked away to go do the will of God. And I'm flying. And all of a sudden, I said, okay, Holy Spirit, how's this going to work? Like, I'm the provider. I'm the man of the house. I've got to provide. How am I going to provide? And the Holy Spirit says, uh-uh, you're not the provider. I'm the provider. He said, I might provide through you, but I'm still the provider. And just like I provide through you, I can provide anyway. And let me tell you, we lived seven years in Mexico. And as you can tell, I never missed a meal. Yes, I'm not going to say that we didn't have hard times and difficult times, but that had more to do with my faith and God dealing with me and me wanting to do old, old, old things in a new place, which is a whole different preaching that maybe we'll talk about later. Lost over $30,000 doing all of that in Mexico. But he said, I'm the provider. And for seven years, we lived in Mexico. And I, I, those are my favorite testimonies. I, I shared this a few weeks ago. I was going to church one morning to go work. We were building, we were building a church, and I was dressed like a construction worker. And we didn't have a car. We literally, like I said, we left everything and I remember standing at the bus stop and, and I was there, I had my three pesos because that's what it cost to ride the bus to church. And all of a sudden, this really young, good-looking guy just reminded me of myself. It's my story. I can tell it my way, okay? And he's dressed with, with, you know, with professional office attire, driving a Mercedes just like the one I would drive in Dallas. And the devil says, see, look at where your God has you. That should be you but here you are waiting for the bus. And see, in that moment, the, I, I could have easily given into the pity party the devil wanted to do in my life. I could have been like, oh, yeah, you're right. This is horrible, whatever. You know, but I remember that moment. I had so much faith. I said, I don't care, devil, because in just a little bit, an even bigger Mercedes is going to come pick me up. Because if you ever see the buses in Mexico, they're Mercedes. And I said, and I have a chauffeur. See, that's how you got to deal with the devil. And we lived there seven years. And God was faithful every seven years. But let me tell you, it wasn't easy letting go of the old. There was days I wanted to run back, but because I burned the plow, I couldn't go back. And so here was Abram. God is saying, I want to do something new. But in order for me to do something new, you've got to let go of the old. You have to let go of the familiar. You have to let go of everything. And then that gives next place to the next enemy of the new is fear. 
See, there's, there's few things that are more debilitating and paralyzing than fear. You know, a few years ago, I read an article about this young lady who experienced a very violent and tragic act that it was, she, she fell into fear so much that her family thought she was dead. And they don't, in, 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 I think it was in, in Honduras, and they don't do like here, like embalming and everything. Like you're dead, they bury you that night. And then they bury you the next day, pretty much. So they literally thought she was dead. The next day, they had her in her, in her tomb, and all of a sudden they hear, hey, help. She got so full of fear that her body actually shut down, and it seemed like she had died. And so she started getting buried, and they started digging her out, and thank God she was able to survive. But that's a perfect picture of what happens when we allow fear to govern our life. And see, the enemy will, keep, will use fear to keep you from moving forward. He'll bring in all of the what is. What if it doesn't work out? And understand, when God called me to Mexico, I had no idea how I was going to feed my family. I had no idea how I was going to pay my bills. I had no idea how we were going to survive. And all of those fears, every day, the enemy's going to be there. You'll have the fear of the past. You'll have the fear of the future. The fear of the unknown. And imagine God is telling Abraham, I need you to leave and I'm going to take you to a land that I will show you. You don't know where you're going. You don't know where you're going to get there. You don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know what I have in store. All you have to hold on to is a promise and a word from God. But I'm here to tell you that if you have a promise and a word from God, that's all you need. God will always come through. He is faithful and just to fulfill his word in your life. So if God is calling you forth, you don't need fear. You need faith. That's why Abraham is called the father of our faith because he let go of the familiar and he let go of the fear. In fact, Hebrews 11 chapter 6 says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. See, God will never call you into something that it's not going to require faith for you to do. Just like he called me into Mexico. It took a lot of faith. Let me tell you, I literally struggled. I wrestled with God for nine months before I was willing to accept the call to let everything go. Because why? I had fear. I didn't know how I was going to make it. I didn't know how I was going to do it. And fear can keep you stuck. Fear can keep you paralyzed. But you have to be able to replace your fear with faith because without faith it's going to be impossible to please God this is a faith walk and it took Abraham faith to leave the familiar and to overcome the fear I love what Jeremiah 29 11 says. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. You've got to know that every time God is calling you out of something, it's because he has something better. Someone once said that the biggest enemy of great is that which is good. And see, one of the hardest things for us to let go of is a good job, a good place, a good thing, a good boyfriend, a good girlfriend. And God is saying, I didn't create you just to have good. I created you to have great. But oftentimes we get stuck with the good 
And God is saying, I don't want you just to have good. I don't want you to conform to, well, he treats me good. No, he should be treating you great. Come on, all the single ladies. Well, he's good. God didn't create you for good. But there you are holding on to the bozo because he's good. And God's like, let it go. I mean, let him go. Your blessing or breakthrough is not just in what you take hold of, but what you're willing to let go of. And I'm going to close with this. Right before the Israelites stepped into the promised land, they had one last barrier, which was the Jordan River, and we talked about it in the Take It By Force. And here, Joshua is now leading the people. <clears throat> They're at the Jordan River, just a few kilometers. They had to get past that to get into the promised land. But they had to go through the river. Now, when they first came out of Egypt, they found themselves at the Red Sea. And now, this was Pastor Moses. And God says, Pastor Moses, I'm going to do something amazing. You're going to stand in front of the sea. You're going to pick up your staff. And I'm going to part the waters. And the people are going to cross. How many of you know that it's a lot easier to cross after you see the miracle? When you're standing there at the Red Sea and all of a sudden you see the waters open up, you're like, yes, God is here. God is with me. God is moving. And they step through. But here they are 40 years later. They're about to enter into the promised land. And God says, I'm going to do a new thing, but I'm going to do it a different way. He's telling Joshua, okay, with Moses, I parted the water before you stepped in. But now I want to see if you have enough faith to believe me to step into the water before I part the water. And can you imagine Joshua getting the, the, the download from God and having to go back to the people and says, well, um, there's the Jordan River. I know when Pastor Moses was here, we did it this way, but God wants us to do it this way. And some of you are still stuck with, well, that's not how Pastor Moses would do it. That's how my old pastor did it. My old pastor dressed like a pastor. He had anointing. He wore a tie. And he had to tell the people, yeah, that's how pastor, but God's telling me this. But why did God have to shift it and change? Because he knew what level of faith it was going to require for them to possess the promised land. He knew that they were going to have to face the Amalekites who were giants. He knew that they were going to have to face the walls of Jericho that were, that were massive. And he says, I need to elevate your faith. Your faith to cross the Red Sea was for the good. Yeah, you experienced the goodness of God. You saw the pillar by night and the cloud by day. You had manna from heaven and you had water coming out of the rock. But now I'm taking you into the promised land that is flowing with milk and honey. There are this big and chamoy this big can you imagine what you can do with a mango and a chamoy that big and God is saying 
that your faith for that level was good, but I don't want you to conform with good. I want you to have the greatness. I want you to step into the promise. I want you to possess the land that flows with milk and honey. But I've got to elevate your faith so that you can believe for the great. I don't want you just to have the good. See, and a lot of people would have been stuck with what God did. Well, Moses had water from a rock. Well, Moses got manna from heaven. And Joshua said, I don't know, but God is saying you have to let go of the old move. You have to let go of the old things so that you can possess the promise. But I've got to elevate your faith because it takes a greater level of faith to possess a land that flows with milk and honey than just to survive the desert. God says, I don't want you to survive. I want you to thrive. I didn't call you out of bondage and slavery out of Egypt just so you could survive the good. I want to take you to the land that flows with milk and honey. But in order for you to possess that level of blessing, that level of breakthrough, I need to see your faith before you step in. The last transition that we went through I had a really good job as an executive pastor at a church in Del Rio. In every transition that we had been through before that, God always opened the door before we closed the old door. And I remember I knew that our time for that assignment was, was, was coming to an end. I knew we had to move on. And I kept waiting for God to open the door. And I was still holding on to the old door because I didn't want to let go of the old door until the new door opened. And God says, uh-uh. I've got to elevate because what I'm going to do in your life, you need greater level of faith. So I need you to close the old door before I open the new door. And I was like, are you sure? It's not about money. <laughs> and I summoned the courage and I closed the door. And for a year, I waited for God to open a new door. Not knowing that new door was going to be this. That it was going to be a place called Access Church. Where would we be if I would have been stuck with the old door never letting go and I remember I let go of that door and I fasted and I prayed saying God I need you to open a new door and that's when God says you're going to launch a church but in two cities at the same time I said God can I go back to my old door can you imagine what would have happened if I would not have let go of the familiar and let go of the fear. The ha going from having a very stable, strong salary for a year of having no salary. Anybody want to take that deal? Lost benefits, couldn't pay for a rental house. But God said, you have to let go of what was so you can walk into what is. You're living in 
my manifestation of faith, of what I was willing to let go of. The known, the familiar, come to a city that I never knew about that existed before. You go, what? People that I didn't know that I was going to meet to come start a church in a city that doesn't know me and I didn't know anybody. Like, who does that? Only crazy folk. Crackheads and crazy folk. I don't know. I'm not a crackhead, okay? Just in case you were wondering which of the two I am. But you're living in the manifestation. So I can tell you on this side of the Jordan, it's worth it to let go. What are you missing out on? Because you haven't let go of the familiar and the fear. Will you stand? Heavenly Father, man, I just feel the presence of God here today. I sense that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and your life, showing you right now things you have to let go of. Sometimes you have to let go of old promises because that promise was for a season, for a time. Some of you might have to let go of old patterns, old paradigms. Some of you have to let go of people, of relationships. God is speaking to you right now and He's trying to tell you, just let go. Because what I have for you is so much greater. It's so much better. I can't show you. I can't, I can't give it to you until you let go of what was. That which was familiar. That which was comfortable. So you can walk in to the newness and the fullness of my calling and my purpose for your life in this season. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would give people the faith and the fortitude to let go. Whatever it is, bring it to their heart and their mind so they can walk into what you have already prepared for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.